Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Bobby Regan of Barstool Sports does a great job covering all things college basketball. And Bobby, it's been way too long, man. How you doing this afternoon? Good, man. How you doing? Uh, we're doing well. Obviously, uh, things are looking really up for Razorback basketball right now. And I know, uh, of course, you being a Kentucky guy, Kentucky basketball has a lot of expectation too. But just overall, I want your thoughts on, on the SEC. It's a conference that hasn't been great in college basketball. It has gotten better and better each and every year. This year it looks like it's really legitimate. But what do you make of the SEC this year? Yeah, I think it's a really good conference. I think it's probably the second-best conference this year. I think the Big 12 is by far and away the best. Uh, like I don't think that's a debate. Uh, but, the, I mean, the SEC is really good. You have, what, three legit top 15 teams, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas in some order. Alabama is going to be better. Um, I, I, it, it's good. Like, even even the – and I guess Auburn, although I don't really love Auburn this year. But if you even look at, like, the bottom teams – do you want to play against like Vanderbilt every year? They always have a guy like a Scotty Pippen. I know he's not there this year. They always have a guy that can all of a sudden just go get 30. And the next thing you know, you're in a two point game with three to go. South Carolina, like it's just Mike White at Georgia. It's a good conference. It's, you know, as much as I want to make fun of Stanky right now, because he's on my, uh, you know what list for the Sensei tournament talk, he's really developed this into a basketball conference, too. Kentucky picked at the top of the SEC, like always, and they're always a team that has to replace talent. They have Sheeway coming back. They have Savir Wheeler coming back. Other than those guys, who are uh, some of these other players that are going to fill the holes for some of the losses that they have on the roster? Well, luckily they don't really lose anything. They lose Grady and um, and Ty Ty Washington. I mean, they, they bring back Toppin. They bring back. C.J. Frederick, who missed all of last year with an injury, who's a solidified one of the best shooters in the country when he was at Iowa. Uh, they bring in Antonio Reeves as a transfer from Illinois State. Jason Wallace, Chris uh, Livingston, really the only two freshmen. I mean, they brought in a lot of freshmen. Those are the two high-name guys. Lance Ware's back. Um, Damian Collins is back. So it, it's unique for Kentucky this year where they're not really replacing a whole lot. I mean, I know it's weird when you say two starters, but – when you have guys that have been in the system, at least like Frederick was at practices, he just was unable to play. You're really not, you're really not losing a lot. So, you know, that's where I think you see not really a drop off for Kentucky. I know everyone will say St. Peter's, but you don't judge everything on the NCAA tournament. There's a reason they were two seats. You know, the thing is about uh, with, with the SEC too, is it seems like the past few years you've had great regular seasons, but just not a lot of teams advancing far in postseason. Last year, Arkansas went to the Elite Eight. That was the furthest SEC team. I think it was back-to-back years they went further than anybody. But no Final Four teams. And even last season, too, you mentioned Kentucky losing early. Auburn lost early. Tennessee lost early. I think that's kind of the one thing that people are still saying, yeah, the SEC is a good conference, but they haven't had a whole lot of success over the past couple seasons getting teams to advance far into the NCAA tournament. I just don't really care about that. Um because they have enough, A, they have enough history, right? It's not the Big Ten. They haven't gone 22 years since winning a title. Uh, I mean, three years ago, you had Auburn and Kentucky playing each other to go to the Final Four. Um, and Auburn was a foul call away from playing for a national championship. Uh, and then, you know, the NCAA tournament is just luck of the draw, right? You can only play who's in front of you. Sometimes the bracket breaks perfectly. Sometimes SEC teams play hot. You know, it, it, it's hit or miss. So I try not to judge too much on the NCAA tournament. Because it's the best way to determine a champion. 
the worst team to like worst way to determine best team. So I, I think it's fine. I mean, again, it, it all, I, I know that's how people like to judge it, but all it takes is this year have a couple teams in the Elite Eight and everyone changes its mind again. Now, Bobby, you said that uh, the Big 12 is the best basketball conference by far. What makes that so, and what is the second-best basketball conference? So you look at the top teams, right? They have national title contenders. I think Baylor is the best or second-best team in the country this year. Uh, Kansas, obviously, coming off winning the title. They're top five, six team. Um, and, and then you just keep going through. Texas is going to be really good. Their bottom, you know, the bottom team, they could, in theory, all 10 teams, had had a chance to make a tournament. I, you know, I don't really love West Virginia this year, but you're telling me West Virginia is not like a top 60 team. Good luck with that. Uh, the second, I, I think SEC is the second best conference. Yeah, because I think that most people would be seeing the rankings too of, I mean, you got uh, Kentucky and Arkansas, top 10 teams. You got Tennessee right on the outside looking in. Uh, Auburn being there right there into the mix too. Uh, just, I know you're a Kentucky guy, and I know that they've picked the finish first. They got the, the preseason player of the year, all that. But do you think, Bobby, that Kentucky is a legitimate tender of, of winning a national championship? And do you think they are the far and away favorite in the SEC to win it all? All and away favorite? No. Multiple reasons. One, you still got to factor in unbalanced schedules, right? You know, you don't, you're not playing everybody round robin, like the Big 12, like the Big East. That matters when you're determining who wins the regular season. Um, you know, and the fact that they play Arkansas like that. that could be huge. It could be bad for both teams involved. Um, now, so I think they're a national title contender, yeah, because they were a top six-ish team last year who's bringing mostly everybody back. Assuming everyone stays healthy, that's the recipe to win in, in March. You know, as long as you have good guard play and, and some experience, you're, you're going to win more often than not. So, you know, they're on the short list. I don't think they're a title favorite, I, you know, but I, I think they're probably, you know, when I do my rankings, I probably have, would think they're about three, I, I think is where I would have them, maybe four. Um but in the SEC, I think they're slight favorites on, on paper. But with unbalanced schedule, that, that just throws so much things off. When you look at the Arkansas roster, there's a lot of turnover there. you got some highly recruited, highly ranked players. What do you, what do you see with the Arkansas roster when you look there? I think Nick Smith is the most talented player in the conference. Uh, it's not saying he's the best because, obviously, you know you have a Sheway and some other guys. But Nick Smith is the most talented player um, in the conference, and I mean, one of the most talented players in the country. And there's a reason he's going to probably go top ten in the NBA. You also have a guy in Musk who knows how to handle turnover. He's obviously dealt with transfers his entire coaching career. It's kind of been his his mo. So he he's used to it. It it does take time to gel, right? So they might struggle early and not look the part. And you know, next thing you know, they're out of the top twenty five or, or in the twenty range, and you're sitting there going, "What happened? We're supposed to be really good." And February turns around and they're on a 10 game winning streak. Um, I, I like what they have. I like the fact that they have a ton of guards because that's important. Um, I like I like the fact they have pro pro talent mix that matters. Like that, you know, it, 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 there's a lot. Um, you know, I, the Mitchell twins. I'm kind of indifferent on, but they're fine if they're used correctly. I, I, that front court can really figure it out fast. Then then they're going to look like a top 10 team. Speaking with Bobby Regan of Barstool Sports here on the Jones and Sundiamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. Uh, Bobby, uh, just looking at also the SEC, something that was a big topic of conversation in media days was the fact that there are six new coaches in the SEC. That's nearly half. Is that is that just a coincidence to you, or do you feel like that's just showing the SEC and how 
serious more programs are getting about having quality basketball programs? Like, what do you make of half the conference having new coaches this year? It's a mixture of both, right? Like, you know, it, you are at this high major school, so you, you expect results, especially at majority of these schools. Um, and then there's a little bit of weirdness. You have Mike White leaving for Georgia, so that opens up another spot. And so instead of, you know, 16, it goes, it should have been five. So that gets all weird. And then some other, you know, I think Frank Martin kind of hit the limit of South Carolina. That was the writing on the wall there was, was happening forever. So that, so that was going to happen. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Who else? George, obviously. South Carolina, you know, South Carolina, I mentioned. LSU, it, you have that entire Will Wade scenario, however you want to classify it. It was just a matter of when. It just happened to be while everyone else was. So, you know, I think it's a kind of a combination of both. But I, I don't think it's anything to be worried about if you're an SEC fan going, oh, am I just going to lose a coach in three years? No, but also you got to have some results. Bobby, where do you have Arkansas ranked uh, in, in your rankings overall, and, and what's your top five? So I'm working on that now. I'm actually going to rank all 363 teams in Division One on the blog. I would probably have them right around nine off the top of my head. So, you know, so right around that, that top ten, you know, between eight and 11. I, I probably had them slide in there somewhere in there. My top five, I'm still trying to figure out the order. Uh, Houston, Baylor, I think, are one and two in some order. Kentucky, um, then probably North Carolina. I'm I'm not as like gung ho on them as, as a lot of other people. And then I, I guess Kansas. That seems fair. I think that uh, the, you know those teams are going to be in everybody's mix too. And uh, not only that, but another thing I want your opinion on because we got everybody else's opinion on it. Expansion of the NCAA tournament seems to be a thing that's going on. Uh, <laughs> and uh, everybody was asked at SEC Media Day. Some coaches were for, some were against. Then you got like Baylor's of uh, Bryce Drew coming out and saying that, or Scott Drew, Scott Drew coming out and saying that he wants 128 teams in the NCAA tournament. It seems like it's going to be happening, but what do you make of expansion, Bobby? And if it does expand, what do you think would be the right number for it? So I think Missouri should fire Dennis Gates, who hasn't even coached a game yet, for saying it needs to double, so be like 136 teams. <laughs> All I can think about with that is like the scene in basketball, if you remember that movie, where they're trying to explain the tiebreakers, because that's how regions will look here. It's so dumb. Like, we have the perfect product. In fact, I want to get rid of the first four. 64 teams is the perfect amount. 32 conferences, 32 automatic bids, 32 at-large bids. Here's a novel concept. Win games. That's how simple it is. Win your conference tournament. I don't feel bad that Texas A&M didn't get in last year. Guess what? Don't lose to Vanderbilt. Don't lose to South Carolina. Don't lose to Missouri. Beat good teams. Like, it's, it's that simple. Everyone's like, oh, well, you have more March Madness. Well, we already have that. We have a week of conference tournament where it's win and go home. We have 30 regular season games. If you can't win 21, 22 games, you don't deserve to be in. Like, I don't understand. I understand why there's expansion talk because people are greedy and they want money. But let's be honest, no one's ever sitting there going, "Oh man, I tell you, who really could have made a run? The 74th best team in the country." No, like since Arizona won in '97 as a four seed, there's been one year that a non-top three seed has won, and that was UConn with Shabazz Napier. So it's like there's just no need. There's just no need. We have the perfect thing. It's the perfect three-week run. The perfect bracket look. 
get rid of four teams, make it 64. We don't need expansion. Bobby, you want to get your take and your outlook on a couple of teams. Gonzaga is one of those teams we hear about every year. Is this the year that Gonzaga is going to break through? And then Duke, there's been the consistency with Coach K every year, and now Coach K has moved on. So now you have John Shire taking over. So what's your outlook on those couple of teams? Yes, I actually forgot Gonzaga there for sure in my top five. That was just me completely forgetting about Gonzaga, which uh, I guess kind of sums them up perfectly um, because people do want to forget about them. People want to knock that they play in the WCC, even though the WCC is better than what people realize. Gonzaga's going to be good this year. Drew Timmy is an All-American. Like, I know people like to hate on him. I know he struggled at times in the NCAA tournament. He's still a guy who averaged 18 and a half points a game a year ago. Um, they bring in, they bring back a lot. Like Nolan Hickman's really good. Uh, Rasir Bolton, really good. Julian Schalter, really good. Hunter Salas is going to come off the bench, really good. You're talking, a couple of those guys are five-star recruits. So I, I like them a lot, uh, and and I think they're going to be a top five team again. I, you know, they've made two title games in the last five years. I understand, I understand people want to see them win a tournament, but it's like, they kind of answered the bell for all of them. They're going to be fine. And Duke, like, I'm very curious to see how this year goes. They have top talent, but it's a lot of freshmen. The only guy they really bring back is Jeremy Roach. I'm not super high on Jeremy Roach. John Shire has never re- you know, been a head coach before. I would not be surprised if they struggle and then kind of figure it out somewhat similar to UNC last year. Um, but they just have so much you know, top-end talent that – it should work, but I'm very skeptical on them this year. You, know, you mentioned John Shire. What what kind of leash do you think they're giving him? Like, I mean, is it one of those deals where after year one, if it goes bad, which I don't, you know, who knows how it's going to go? He may end up being all right, but I mean, how long are they going to give this guy, or how type of leash are they going to give him, trying to replace a legend like Coach K? Well, yeah, it's K. I mean, that man hasn't left his office. You know. To, whenever he wants to take over again, which I'm not ruling anything out. He's pulling all the strings there, as we all know. Um, so I, you have to give him a leash, right? Like, I understand you're Duke, but he's one of your own. He was handpicked by Kay. Dark as it sounds, you almost have to wait for Kay to pass away before you, like, take stuff away from him. So, you know, he's going to have a longer leash than I would say if you brought in a, um, let's just say if they brought in Chris Beard or someone like that. So looking at uh, the NBA and it, the season has already started there, what's kind of your take on that? What what are some of your picks moving forward as uh, some of the teams you see emerging in the end? I think it's going to be ch- – I mean, the beauty of the NBA is you tend to get the best teams in the finals because it's series, right? Like the, the opposite of why we love the NBA tournament of the unknown one game, 40 minutes. You can have a bad shooting night, you're out. Um I, somehow I think the Warriors are underrated. All summer I've heard about the Hawks, the Timberwolves, um, the, the Clippers getting back, uh, Paul George and Kawhi. We're still talking about the Warriors, right? They still have Steph Curry. So, um, yeah, I think they're going to win again because they're the best team. Uh, and then the East, I'm, I think the East is really good. It's kind of flipped in the NBA where the, it's gone back from the West being dominant to the East being deep and really good. Uh, I'm a Knicks guy, so... Last night was heartbreaking. I really hope Brunson, you know, lives up to the height. But how do you just not pick Milwaukee? Yeah, they seem to be the the favorite there, too, in the East. I know people, of course, love Bobby Portis here in the state of Arkansas. But 
Uh, I don't know. There's just a lot of intrigue in the NBA every single year, uh, especially uh, with some of the new teams, unlike the team I've root for, like the Celtics. Like, who knows the type of impact? Like, they got a good squad, but you know, with the whole Indoka stuff and all that, like, th- people don't understand right. how sometimes that can play an impact into it as well. That, all the trade rumors, like, you know, they're going to get rid of Jalen Brown for Durant, all this other stuff. You're still talking about younger guys, right? Like the Celtics core is still relatively young. If I told you, you know, John, you're getting traded from this radio station to that radio show, that kind of sits in your mind for for a good amount of time. We talked, uh, Bobby, about Taylor Swift and the connection of Thursday night football and what's going on, but there's some kind of correlation with Texas football. So what what is that about with Taylor Swift and Texas football? Yeah, let me find out who. Uh, let me give the guy the right credit because he. Uh, I saw it floating around on Twitter. It was CJ Mummy tweeted it out. He said an important stat to keep in mind this weekend: Texas football is eight and one following Taylor Swift's album drop, uh, and the Longhorns are six and a half point favorites against Oklahoma State on Saturday. On top of that, earlier this year, I saw that every year that Jennifer Lopez got married, Texas won eleven regular season games. Well, they only have two ranked teams left in the regular season, Oklahoma State and Kansas State. They run the table, that's, they're getting to 11. So I'm starting to think that, you know, Texas might be back. Just, just, <laughs> just based on Taylor Swift and Jennifer Lopez, that's all they needed just to, to come together we, as one. We use analytics for everything. This is as surefire as it gets. <laughs> I mean, 8-1 and one's still pretty impressive. So, hey, if that ends up happening, then Texas is probably going to start paying Taylor Swift extra money to start putting out albums, if that's the case. So. They have enough money, though. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They got all the money in the world for sure. Well, Bobby, man, we appreciate it as always. Join us, talk a little college hoops. It's always good to catch up with you. Enjoy the start of the NBA and college basketball season, man. We'll be catching up with you soon, all right? I will. You guys, too.